Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Crossing Church, how are you doing today? Are you doing good? Man, I tell you what, I I came to preach today. I don't know if you came to listen, but I came to preach. I was taking a shower, getting ready, and all of a sudden I just started getting a little, got a little sauce going on, and I've been amped ever since. I know that there's a bunch of you that may have questions about what's our church gonna do in the coming weeks and months is obviously some of our campuses that are navigating different challenges inside their school system and schools are shutting down for periods of time and you're trying to figure out what's our church plan. I just want you to know, our church's plan is to remain uh, having services in person at all of our locations. That's our plan. Now. Uh, Let me tell you why that is, so that way you can tell them. This will save you from making phone calls. This will save you from having to check back with Facebook all the time. Here's why. Uh, We have a great experience for people who don't feel comfortable coming to church. We have an incredible online service. There's people watching right now. We have an incredible team of chat hosts from all across our locations that are participating in there, making people feel loved, cared for. There's even private rooms on our prayer chat for people to go into if they want to have someone pray with them. And we do a great job of following up with them and getting them connected at one of our physical locations. So we have an incredible online experience. We don't just have that for adults. We also have that incredible online experience for kids. So people who are nervous, scared, worried about contracting COVID, we have a great alternative for them. But we don't want uh, that to keep the people who wanna be able to worship in person from being able to worship in person. And so for the foreseeable future, unless something really big happens, you can plan that on Thursdays and on Sundays, someone's gonna be preaching, someone's gonna be playing the drums, someone's gonna be playing the guitar, and as long as we have difference makers, we're gonna have as many ministries open as humanly possible. You guys okay with that? Good. Now, uh, this is the last sermon of this sermon series. Uh, We've called this sermon series Beyond First Week. We talked about Beyond the Mundane, that even a small step of faith can bring about big blessings. That when you take something that's in your hand and you place it in God's hand, There is no telling what God can do. Then the second week, we learned about God, about going beyond the math. And we encourage you guys to take a a look at your heart and realize that that's what God sees, that God sees our heart. He sees our true motivation. He sees our true response. And then last week, Jerry preached an incredible uh, message called Beyond the Minimum, and that we have an opportunity to put ourselves in front of Jesus because Jesus can change people. We can become, through Jesus, new creations. But that doesn't happen when we give him the minimum. It happens when we give him the maximum, when we give all of ourselves over to him. And that Jesus is more interested in your redemption than he is in your resume. Well, today we're gonna finish this series with a sermon I've called Beyond the Moment at all of our locations. Type it in the chat if you're watching online. Would you guys say moment? beyond the moment. How many of you, raise your hand, put a thumbs up emoji in the chat. If you've made a decision that has lasted beyond the moment. Yeah, we got lots of those. It's hard to make a decision that doesn't last beyond the moment. Uh, Maybe it was where you chose to go to college. Maybe it was uh, who you proposed to. Like that decision lasted beyond the moment. Uh, You made the decision to have kids. Oh dear God, did that one last beyond the moment, right? Uh, you, you decided to buy a house or you decided to remodel that house. 
and it has lasted beyond the moment, right? Some of you started a remodel project 15 years ago, and one of these days we're gonna get that bathroom going, right? It's just how it is. Uh, there are other decisions that we've made uh, that are bad decisions that have lasted beyond the moment. For some of you, it's the same things I just listed. You decided to go to college and now you're still trying to figure out how to pay for it. You thought you were a private school kid, but you weren't. You, you're a community college kid. Like you should have just gone, paid the low rate, but you got yourself an Ivy League school and you don't know when you're gonna pay it off. You got a house payment in your head. Uh, some of you, uh, you married somebody and you're like, whew, that lasted not as many moments as I anticipated, right? Uh, there, there are other stuff. Some of you, uh, you know, you decide to remodel a house. Some of you, um, you, you got a tattoo. And if you could wind back the clock, you're like, that neck tattoo of my ex-boyfriend, it's a roughie, right? It's, it's hard to date with somebody else's name on your neck. It's just, that's just how it is, right? Or you, you know, you were really excited about your new job at a phone book company. You just thought that that one was really going to pan out. You just invested in a pager company, but that decision didn't pan out. Uh, you ate ice cream right after Mexican. That decision lasts beyond the moment, right? That one's always a bad decision. Uh, how about this one? Anybody else? This is for the fellows. Your wife said, wouldn't it be awesome if we were to just plant a couple trees in our yard? And you planted them and it was cool watching them grow. And they kept growing. And now they're these big, beautiful leaf droppers. And you've spent the last three weeks just trying to figure out how to see your grass. Uh, Jennifer and I, we moved to Quincy, we bought this house that had these two beautiful trees in the front yard. No, they really are, they're beautiful. Uh, the thing that we didn't know about it is that our, uh, tree doesn't drop its leaves until after the first snow in January. And so what ends up happening is, is like all the leaves on our street all go through this beautiful color change. And our leaves are just green and everybody else is taking care of their leaves. It's going good. Our leaves are just like, no, man, we're going to wait till you're raking in the snow. Except for this year, they turn this unbelievably beautiful color for like six hours. And then they all dropped in a two-day period. If you go to my house, there is four inches of leaf confetti. You can't put it anywhere. My neighbors are all, who've already taken care of their leaves, are looking out like wondering when's the confetti gonna stop blowing from my yard into their yard. And I'm going, if, if it was up to me, them suckers are coming down next year. Like I'm just cutting them and we're gonna put two little pine trees, like bonsai pine trees in the front yard with like two rocks around them. Because what happens is, is sometimes you make a decision and it just keeps hanging around. You decided to get your kids a dog and it just keeps, you decided to feed a cat in the neighborhood and it just keeps hanging around. One of Satan's greatest tools that he uses against us is to keep us from seeing the impact of our decisions. He wants to hide us or hide from us the long-term impact that they can have. He wants us to focus on the physical realities instead of the spiritual realities. He does this for two reasons. The first one is he doesn't want us to see the true cost of our bad decisions. If you knew that that flirt would end in a divorce, you wouldn't have flirted. The second thing he tries to do is see the incredible impact of our godly decisions. I wanna walk you through a story today 
found in 1 Kings chapter 17 that shows the tremendous power when we make a decision to trust God and how it goes beyond the moment. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse one. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is in a period of time where God is using prophets to speak to the kings of Israel to get them to turn their hearts towards God because if the king turns his heart towards God, the people will follow. Well, Ahab is the worst of the Israelite kings. He married a woman named Jezebel. Uh, and I'll just let you know, if you look for like the top 100 uh, baby names each year, Jezebel never makes the list. You've never heard someone uh, talk about, hey, I'd like to introduce you to my little girl, Jezebel, because nobody names their kid, I hope, that name, right? That's one of the names that you just wouldn't write on a cake. Like the baker would go, sorry, we don't do Jezebels here. She's a bad girl, he's a bad dude. And they are leading the people of Israel into idol worship. And so God calls Elijah and says, I want you to direct the people's hearts back to me. Here's how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna shut off the spigot. There's not gonna be any rain. There's not even gonna be dew until the people turn and acknowledge me, and then I'll turn the spigot back on. So Elijah tells Ahab this, Second King, or First Kings chapter 17, verses two. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave there and turn eastward and hide in the Kirith ravine east of the Jordan. There you will drink from the book, from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Kirith ravine east of the Jordan and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. So God is protecting Elijah because obviously Ahab is gonna be looking for him, trying to get him to talk to God, to turn the spigot from heaven back on. So he's taken him and he's hidden him. Can you imagine this scene? I mean, sitting down by a brook and drinking water out of a creek, that's not that weird to any of us. But can you imagine being fed by ravens? I mean, if you've been to a big city, there's always the pigeon lady throwing out bread, feeding the pigeons. This is the exact opposite. This is a flock of pigeons following you and bringing you bread. You have to ask yourself, how many birds would it take to feed a dude? Like how, do they just keep coming? Is there an entire flock? Do they all descend at once and they just drop the fruit in his lap? It's like Elijah's in the nest and the birds are bringing him the food. But God is using this to reveal himself to Elijah and to increase Elijah's trust. Let's pick up the story. Chapter, or chapter 17, verse seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. This dude's been so used to just being provided for by ravens. He sees the girl, he goes, obviously God's providing. Hey, can I get a drink? And can I also get a little bit of bread? 
She replies, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah has been tested, his trust in God has been growing, and now God takes him to a place to be provided for by a widow, and he shows up, and the widow has no means. She has nothing. God tells Elijah, you're gonna be provided for by a widow. Elijah goes to the widow and she says, we're getting ready to die. If I'm Elijah, if you're Elijah, you're going, God, why did you bring me here? And why did you bring me to her? Well, God's built Elijah's faith, and now it's time for God to build the widow's faith. Look what Elijah says, starting in verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but, everybody say this word, first. Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and she did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The woman trusts God and takes an initial step of faith and she takes the remaining supplies that she has, she makes the bread, she gives it to Elijah and then she goes back knowing that there's nothing for her and her son, that this is the last day, but she decides to go over to the counter. She already put him in the sink figuring she was just gonna wash him out, but she looks in there and she sees a little bit of flour. She reaches in and there's a little bit of oil. And so she makes some for her son. She saw it, she emptied them out. There's nothing in there and she put them back in the sink. She took the food to her son and she came back going, well, at least they were taken care of, but she sees a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And day after day, Elijah and her entire family were taken care of by the Lord until God sent the rain. one step of faith, one moment of obedience, and it lasted long, far beyond the moment. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? 
The food was there every day for everybody involved, but everybody else was blessed because of her faith. It wasn't the boy's faith, it was her faith. Did you notice that the resupply was greater than the initial gift? But the resupply didn't come until after the gift had been given. She made it for Elijah first, and she used it all up. But God kept giving more and more and more back each and every single day. And the crazy thing is, this is true of all of us. We don't get eternal life until we lay down our life. It's Jesus who says, whoever wants to save his life, they're gonna lose it. But whoever loses his life will find it. We lay down our physical kingdom and we take up an eternal kingdom. We lay down our mortality and we pick up eternity. And the resupply that God gives us is greater than the gift we originally give him. It goes beyond the moment. Stay with me. First Kings 17, verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Is there anybody at any of our locations that can relate? Isn't it amazing how quickly we become entitled? She has had all of the days since the first day she met Elijah. She's been in the bonus round with her son. The first day that Elijah came into the house was supposed to be the last day with her son. But day after day, week after week, month after month, she's been in the bonus round with her boy. But now that her son is struggling, she wants to turn and curse the very person that brought the blessing. Have you been there? She made food that day. That was a miracle in her kitchen sink and used the sustenance from that blessing to create the energy to issue the curse. Have you ever been there? I have. Oh, I've lived there. There are certain aspects of my life where I cannot doubt, I cannot get around the fact that God has been absolutely blessing me, covering me, taking care of me, providing for me. Has anybody, does anybody have an area, a quadrant, a slice of your life that you're going, only God could do what he's doing in me in this area of my life. But just because he's good in this area of my life doesn't make me a little ticked at him in this area of my life. Woman's walking in miracles and upset at his provision. <laughs> I live there. You're doing this thing right. You're trusting God in this area. You're being obedient in this area. You're, you're sacrificing in this area. And you're angry at God in this one. 
We, we, we live in that tension. I don't look at her and get mad at her. I look at her and I see me. Do you see you? So she, so she blames Elijah and Elijah, look what he says. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even upon this widow while while I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave her to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Not once, but twice, Elijah saved this boy's life. Not once, but twice, he answered the deepest held prayer of that woman. He didn't just save him from starvation, he saved him from death. He saved him from the illness. But that woman had no idea when she took that initial step of faith to bake the bread for the prophet, how that blessing would go beyond the moment. She had no idea that that moment of faith would reap blessing after blessing. But Elijah, he went on to do so much more than just that. He went on to defeat the prophets of Baal. He called down fire from heaven. He turned the people's hearts back to the Lord. In fact, Elijah did eight miracles in his ministry. Six of them happened after the miracle with the oil and the flour. He went on to raise up a person after him, Elisha. Elisha said, God, please give me a double portion of Elijah's mantle. And God heard that prayer and he answered it. And he went on to do 16 miracles. And you can trace all of that back to a woman keeping a prophet alive by trusting God with just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Her decision to have faith lasted beyond the moment. I have some takeaways for you. First one, a yes to God is not a pass on hardship. I need that one to sink in. I think you need this. I think I need this. 2020 is not over. We need this. A yes to God is not a pass on hardship. When you say yes to God, you are not exempt from pain and struggle and hurt. Just because you said yes to Jesus doesn't mean that things are gonna get easy. Just because she said yes to the prophet did not protect her from all of the other hardships of life. 
Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that sickness won't visit your house. And just because in this area of your life, you're following God doesn't mean that you're not gonna have tragedy in this area. Just because you've been praying for your marriage doesn't mean your kids won't disobey. Just because you've been faithful in your giving doesn't mean you won't have hardships in your job. Just because you've been going to church every single week doesn't mean you won't get sick. You won't get depressed. You won't have anxiety. We live in a fact, we have to live with the fact that God will eventually deliver us, but he doesn't always deliver us. God does not always deliver you from your temporary pain, but hear me, he never abandons you. There are gonna be times when you are gonna pray, God, take this from me, and he won't but he will stay with you. He says this promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he places his eternal presence, the Holy Spirit in you. When he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are, say it, with me. He doesn't say when you come into a relationship with me, there's no more valleys. He just says, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you in the valley. Whatever, whatever's going on in your world right now, I just, I just need you to hear this. He knows he's with you. And while you may not get a yes for what you're praying for, he's never going to abandon you. Second takeaway, every Yes matters. Every single yes to God matters. There is no way she could have known when she made her first yes to God, all the things that would happen beyond the moment. And that is what Satan tries to steal from you and what he tries to steal from me is the power, the eternal power of our yeses towards God. The ripples of her faith are still impacting you and me today. You, you guys have done this. You've gone out and you've thrown a rock into the water and you see the ripples go out. And the bigger the rock, the bigger the, the, bigger the ripple. But Satan would convince you that all you're doing on your best day is dropping a rock. But when you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what we do? We skip rocks. We don't throw rocks in, we skip them across the water. She said yes to God and she got food for herself every single day and there were ripples. She got food for her son every day and there were ripples on the water. She provided for a prophet and there were ripples on the water in his life. And he raised up another prophet and there were ripples. She didn't throw a rock into the water. She skipped one on the water. Don't underestimate the power of your yes. Uh, I got one for you. Um, I was giving to this church way before we launched Macomb. Way before, before we even thought about going to Macomb, I was giving to this church. I had no idea that I would eventually be the campus pastor at that campus. Had no idea. But I went there. And when I got there, I met somebody. I had no idea 
that I was given to support a church that would launch a church that would allow me to meet my wife. I had no idea that when I was given to this church before it launched the church, before I met the wife because of the church that we launched, that she would have a daughter that I would inherit. And that one day during one of my messages at a camp that I didn't know we were gonna buy, she would stand up and say that she wanted to be in full-time ministry. I had no idea when I was given to this church before I went to Macomb, before I met my wife who had the kid, that she was gonna go in ministry and that she was gonna find another guy who found Jesus at that campus and that they'd wanna get married. And I told them right out of the gate, you're not having kids till I'm over 40 because I don't wanna be a redneck joke and be a grandpa pre 40, right? I had no idea when, we, when I was given to this church before whatever, that we would hire a guy in Macomb that would eventually be the campus pastor in Keokuk. I had no idea when I was given to this church before that happened that my parents would actually go to the church that's in Keokuk. I had, I had no idea how God would take just my little rock and skip it across the water. And I wonder how many of you have lost sight of the impact and I don't give to God, I don't give to him because it's easy. I give to him because he's worthy. And I give to God because helping people find Jesus is worth it. Stay with me. Jesus came down to earth and he skipped the biggest rock across all of eternity. He skipped a rock across all the souls that you can trace this moment right here and this time and me preaching this word to you all the way back through faithful people who've taken what God's given them and skipped it across the water. And you can trace this moment all the way back to Jesus in a moment coming out of a grave. You could trace it all the way back to Jesus in one moment, laying down his life and dying on the cross. And the Bible says it was an all-sufficient payment for all people for all time, which is a really long way of saying that Jesus' sacrifice lasted long beyond the... Question I gotta ask you is, are you ready for, for your life for what you have, for what God's given you to last beyond what you can see right in front of you because you have no idea what God could do. I'm not asking you to do it because it's easy. I'm asking you to do it because when you look at God and all that he's done, you have to come to the conclusion that all I have is worth giving to him because he's worthy. And when you're at one of our locations and you see somebody getting out of the baptistry and you see someone saying yes to Jesus and you, you see a marriage getting restored, you, you gotta come to the same conclusion that I'm coming to, which is it's, it's worth it of all the things I could possibly do. It's, it's worth it. 
And I'm not just saying that I'm the only story and that that widow's the only story. I know you're the story. I've seen it happen. I've seen people show up to a campus because of your generosity. And I've seen marriages restored, which gives me the courage when I find another marriage that's broken to tell them that I believe that God can heal that marriage. And you know how I know it? Because I've seen him do it in the past and I believe in my heart. I'm gonna see him do it again. I've seen families that have been ripped apart and God's getting no glory in their home. And I've seen God take your generosity and put people around them and and start to minister to them and eventually God starts putting that family together. Maybe that family is your family. And then another family comes in and they're just as torn and tattered, battered and broken. And we're able to look at them with confidence and go, we believe that God can put you together too because we've seen him do it. And deep down inside, we believe that he will do it again. Is there anybody at any of our locations who's willing to say, I'm gonna give what I have. My life, my money, my time, I'm gonna give what I have because he's worthy and it's worth it. Is there anybody at any of our locations who has this feeling deep down in their gut that they can't escape it, that they know that God wants them to finally skip their rock across his waters? Knowing that you've skipped a rock before and you had no clue what God would do with it, but he did something incredible with it. And so with full confidence, you're ready to pick up another rock and skip it believing that he'll do it again. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.